Welcome to episode 35 of the Sideline Junkies Podcast. I'm Matt. He is David. Uh, at some point, Todd is going to join us. Don't know when it is. He's going to join us. Um, but not going to do a Tiger Woods set or anything like that today. We're going to jump right into it. we got some games this weekend. College football finally starts. It's back, baby. It is it's back. It's back. I don't, I don't count those, those other uh, BS games that have been taking place for about a month. Uh, the real football, the SEC football schedule uh, kicks off tomorrow. Uh, and we're going to preview one game because there's only one team that matters on the show, and it's Kentucky Wildcats. Sir. <laughs> so, I'm going to go ahead and say it because Pe- people want to call it an upset. Kentucky's 23rd, I think. Auburn's 8th or 9th, depending on what, what you look at. Yeah. I'm going to say Kentucky wins by, I think it's going to be 31-27. All right, I was going to go 24 to 13. Jesus. Yeah. Man, I am uh, – this is the most irrationally confident I've been as a Kentucky fan. And it's every – like, I shouldn't be because there's no warm-up games. Terry's coming back, hasn't played in a year. But, man, I feel good. I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Listen, that's that's been my biggest name for like the last four years because everybody's like, oh, Kentucky's so much better. I'm like, I don't drink the Kool Aid, and like the time I probably should have was last year, and I didn't drink. I know it was was it the year before. I don't remember, but we were, we started off really good, and I was just like, I'm not drinking the Kool Aid. They're gonna let me down. Um, I, I'm on my second glass Kool Aid this year. I yeah, am, <laughs> I'm so load excited. that up with sugar. We're drinking it all day, baby. Hundred uh, percent. Like I said. It's not, and it, and I don't want to make it seem like I don't think Auburn's a good team. I think Kentucky, uh, Kentucky is vastly underrated this year. Mm-hmm. We have the best offensive line in this in conference. Yeah, it's not even close. They, I think uh, they did like the top four or five offensive linemen. Kentucky owns like three spots. Three of the five. Yep. Yeah. So I think we got a stable of running backs. They have. We have three running backs that all had over five hundred yards last year. Yep, we've got. And they weren't the primary. They weren't primary running backs last year. The primary running back was Lynn. So yeah, so that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, I just don't see how you cannot be super excited about this game and this year. And uh, the more I, the more like research I was doing into it, it's like Auburn. Yeah, they're huge in name, and man, I I think I'm about to sound kind of over the top and who I of me hyping up Kentucky, but it's like. Auburn isn't Alabama. Auburn isn't Georgia. Big They're facts. not Florida. When Auburn, I think I was looking up some stats. Gus Malzahn's known for offense. They haven't had a top 25 offense in the past five years. They're more of a defensive team, but they lost a ton of defense, of really star players on the mm-hmm. defense last year. It's uh, They remind me of like South Carolina when Stoops made that turn and beat them for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, they were still really good. Was that the, was that the night game? Night game. I think Bud Dupree had that interception at the very the end tip, of the game. Tip, catch. Yep. That was a, that's the, the highlight that always gets shown where they're uh, on the kickoff, everybody's dancing, wearing the black uniforms. The yeah. whole stadium's going nuts. Goosebumps right now, Street, baby. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Yes. No, I, I, I agree. I, I don't, like, there's nothing. I have not, like, thought Auburn was a great football team. In the sense, like, because they, like, you ask an Auburn fan, like, they put themselves in the same category as, like, a uh, an LSU. Like, not, I mean, LSU sucked up until this this past year. 
yeah. average. But like they they put themselves on like that that pedestal tier one teams, and they're not. They haven't been that since Cam Newton. I don't care what anybody says. The last time Auburn was like a real real deal force in college football was Cam Newton. They made the national championship a year a year or two after that, but Are you sure against Florida State. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm positive. My 100%. girlfriend, my girlfriend went to Florida State. She reminds me of that all the time. Yeah, um, yeah, man. Well, they have the talent to compete and beat anybody in the SEC, right? So that's why you'll see them beat Georgia and they'll beat Alabama every now and then. But yeah, they're not that dominant team that's going to be running over everyone. No, and you could go. I could go down a list of teams that they're behind: Alabama, LSU. Georgia, Kentucky. And, yeah, and I'll probably put Florida out there, too. I, I mean, yeah, I'll put Florida in there behind us. <laughs> yeah. Listen, we got to be more you, than I, just one time in 35 years for me to hey, start. Listen, the, the more this, the longer we're here talking about it, the more Kool-Aid I'm drinking. I'm on cup three at this point. <laughs> we're top four, top five, uh, in my opinion, in the SEC right now, I would say I would say definitely top four, five. I'll give us top five in the SEC. Yeah, and what sucks is we're getting put like fourth or fifth place in the SEC East in every projection. It's because everybody who's doing this is because they've seen Kentucky's never been a great football school, like consistently. Like we'll have a good year here, good year here, but historic. Like our best years in my lifetime was when. Uh, Andre Brooks Woodson. Was, when yeah, when Brooks was there, and we were like eight and five for three straight yeah. years. Like those were those were Super Bowl winning teams for me. Like yeah. that was the greatest level of college football because Kentucky was ball eligible. Now I'm like we're past that. Yeah, man, I I'm excited to see Terry. I think he's. I'm about to sound weird here too, but like I think he's a good kid. You know. Works hard, and I think like he he wasn't able to show off all this stuff two years ago with Benny Snell and like ha- had glimpses of it at the beginning of last year. I think he would have been been dominant last year. Yeah, but um, yeah, man, I'm excited. I think I think we're going gonna go to Auburn. We're gonna beat them. They're not gonna have the home field advantage. Which hey, last time we played them at Auburn, we beat them anyway. So who gets? Are they who having? Do they have fans? Yeah, really? I think it's like sixteen to eighteen thousand. Still a lot. I mean, you'll hear some noise, but like you have to give a certain percentage of that to Kentucky fans as well, right? No, they don't have to. No, I think that's. I think it's supposed to be almost all Auburn students too who are going. Okay. Well, half of them be drunk. Uh, yep. Probably too belligerent to cheer, which is fine. Uh, they're not going to have a lot to cheer about, in my opinion. Like I said, I I give them. Maybe it's just because I. Deep down, I don't think they're going to score 27. I don't know that we're going to score 21 or 31, I mean. But I think we're going we're gonna to get the win. I would say 21-17. I feel comfortable about that. 31-27 was me just throwing random numbers out. 21-17 is my final. Um, I think Terry, Terry's going to throw for two touchdowns. Uh, I'm going to give one rushing touchdown to A.J. Rose. Yeah, I mean, I think one – one of the running backs will break off like a sixty-yard run for a touchdown. And I think I it's think gonna be. I think it'll be AJ Rose. Yeah, I just. I, think, I 
It's so bad because I really like I'm a fan. Like we don't have a running back. Usually, like you know how they put a running back in, they'll sub one in. You're like, God, get him out. I love the combination of Rose, Smoke, and uh, what's his name? Rodriguez. Uh, Rodriguez. I mean, just and then there's some good freshmen too. If we had to go four deep, that's which... insane, man. There's a lot of talent. <laughs> yeah, a lot of talent. I'm looking forward to uh, a kid that I used to uh, coach in basketball. J.J. Weaver. Oh, yeah. Played more. Uh, played basketball and football more. Yeah, I think he's – I mean, he's he's fairly he's high on the depth chart. Redshirt freshman. Fairly yeah. high on the depth chart. So, I'm I'm really excited for him. I hope he gets uh, gets some big opportunities, gets some snaps tomorrow. Um, I think he's, he's going to play defensive end. I, like, I'm – listen, I'm juiced up. I don't know if it's like a mixture of Kentucky finally getting a football game tomorrow or the fact that the Celtics may not die tonight. It's Kentucky in a football game because Celtics. No, I'm excited for. Huh? We're going ten and zero. Going to go ahead and get tickets. Okay, listen. We're supposed to be the realistic guys. Yeah, I'm kidding. I think we'll go seven and three though. Me and Todd went over it earlier in the like a much earlier episode. I think we both were like seven and three, eight and two. Because we went down the list of like where we're playing certain teams at, and based on if we're allowed fans, not allowed fans, we just—I mean, I like our chances. I like—I really, really like our chances at seven and three. Yeah, I think you can chalk up Alabama and probably Georgia as losses, and then I think we'll either get one of Florida or one of Tennessee, and those will be. Both. See, I think we, we could get both. both. Yeah, I think we could too. Yeah. So. Um, so sticking with Kentucky, we're going to switch over to the, to the round ball that bounces, um, in the playoffs for the biggest stories in the playoffs has been Jamal Murray, Anthony Davis, Tyler Hero, and Bam. And Bam, well, you know what? I take it back. There's been five stories. Playoff Rondo. Because it's a real thing. Yeah. All five played at Kentucky. Four of those five, excluding Rondo, played for Cal. I My question, I even put it on Twitter. My thing is, I don't think it's even in question anymore for where would you go? Why would you not go to Kentucky if you're an elite high school basketball player? It is clear that he does that. And I don't want to just put Cal as the, the one that we're giving all the credit to, but the, like who prepares people players better for it? it's it's unbelievable I was making a list of like all the Kentucky players who are in the NBA all of like the Duke players and there was like some other schools like UCLA and Texas who have decent programs and stuff but Duke I mean they maybe have like three or four stars and then I was listing out Kentucky and I got to like eight or nine and then that was with me leaving out Wall and Cousins because they've been hurt for the past couple of years yeah. and it's just unreal man and how early they come in and make an impact too, like watching Hero and and Bam, and then PJ this year got rookie or um, all rookie second team. Shot uh, Shea is killing it. Everyone's hyping him up. Well, Kelton Johnson had a good bubble. The games that he had yeah. in the bubble, he played good. So, why do you think Kentucky's different about preparing players for the league? All right, so the, and and I've pretty I've been pretty firm on this stance. 
Kentucky brings in a very large majority of players that have that potential to go to the NBA. All are great players. Cal does a phenomenal job of teaching each one of them how to participate or be a part of the team and participate in a row. Because once you go to the NBA, there's very few guys that get to go to the NBA and be the same star they were in college. So Eric Spolstra and um, Pat Riley both said that's one of the great things about about Bam. He was he played in a role when he was at Kentucky. When he came to Miami, he was able like he was prepared to play a role, fit into a role, and be great at it. Like he, they're already taught like, all right, you're gonna play a role wherever you go. Be great at your role, and that's what like Cal teaches. And I think it, it works out for most guys. I mean, how many guys do we honestly? see leave Kentucky, go to the NBA, and get to be the guy right off the bat. I mean, you had John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins. That was, that was that unreal class. You had those yeah. two. You know, I mean. Towns, AD. Yeah. I mean, that's like top five picks. Yeah. So You know they're going to get the ball anyway. Exactly. But here's the thing, like, and then you look at some of them that you can see – you that they were held back in a certain way at Kentucky within mm-hmm. a role. Nobody and, and Todd has said it too. There's nobody in this world that could convince me that they seen this level of Anthony Davis leaving college. Yep. When you win a national championship, there's no way you said this guy is going to be a top five player in this league for the next 10, 15 years. No one. Yeah. Nobody said he had this level of offensive you know, ability. Because you didn't see it when he was there. Now, here we are with it, and I think, but I think that's the thing. Like, there's guys who, who had to sacrifice a lot, and Bam was one of them. Bam has said it. He said, you know, I had to sacrifice my game a lot to help us be successful. So yeah. So why do you think that? What do you think the difference is in Duke's program? I don't think Coach K knows how to get him to do it successfully. Okay. See, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking it's with Kenny Payne and Cal, they are so good at player development Mm -hmm. that they are building the player consistently and going to let the team figure itself out. When with Duke, it's just, all right, we're not going to really get you better as players. We're going to just play team ball, and that's it. See, and I think I think Duke goes to a very um, – they try to emulate a spread pick-and-roll style offense so they can maximize what a player is good at. Well, what happens is mm-hmm. you get stuck leaving your other great players staying around watching, um, yeah. which is kind of like R.J. Baird and uh, Cam Reddish yeah. and Zion Williamson. Like, that group was the same way. Like, there's times where – Cam Reddish just standing over there watching R.J. Barrett dribble, you know, going full James Harden on him, you know, and that's that's the downside to it. You can't – I just don't think you can be successful doing it. You're not teaching basketball. You're just – you're dumbing it down so you can, you know, pray that these guys are talented enough to get you wins. I think Cal teaches concepts that are relatable to the NBA game – that way, when they get to the NBA, they're prepared. That's just my opinion on it. And I, but I think, you know, I think Cal does a great job of finding guys who fit the mold 
that he wants, and mm-hmm. it translates perfectly to the to the NBA. And you look at guys, and, and Spolster said it. He loves getting guys from Kentucky because he knows that they're going to be be prepared to fit into a team, regardless yep. of what role they're in. And Pat Riley likes them because he said that they are built different. You know, they are tough guys because every day you're not going against the bum. You're being guarded by another guy who could go top five in the draft. Almost yeah. top five at his position coming out of high school. You know, you go to Duke, Duke got had four really good guys, and they were beating up on uh little Jimmy from down the street in practice. Alex O'Connell. Who? Who weighs 140 pounds. Yeah. So they were beating up on you. Okay. Come on. <laughs> Low blow, low blow. It's not low blow for anything. I, I said you, you look healthy. Thanks. You're welcome. So, this is my opinion. on. I mean, do you feel differently? No, I think that's completely right. And I think um, another thing with Duke is when they get those really transcendent stars, they just play pass the ball to him and let him go. They do that with Zion. They do that with Kyrie. Austin Rivers was a stud back in college, and they used to do that with him, Jaleel Okafor. And it really crippled those players because they didn't have to learn how to do different things. Yeah. I, I don't disagree whatsoever. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's send this video to every potential Kentucky recruit right now. About why just, they should, this listen, we're telling you this is <laughs> this is the mix. This is how you get to Kentucky. This is how you get to the NBA. Go to these other schools. This is where you're going to fail. Yeah, maybe uh, Cal will add us to the recruiting staff. I don't think he needs help. I don't think he needs help, uh, and I'm I'll probably do it for free. Get my foot in the door. <laughs> yep. So, uh, do you watch any of the paint cup? Yeah, I watch a few holes. Watch, I saw a good amount of the highlights, but so. I'm going to start off with saying the last episode we talked about, you made a comment, is Tiger ever going to slow down? Um, I don't know if you watched it, but I watched some of the U.S. Open, and I'm going to say Tiger's past slowing down. His thing is in park, uh, up on bricks. They don't take the tires off of it. Look, it's a neutral. He's rolling down the hill right now. Backwards. Yep. Yeah, it was bad. He looked bad. But then he goes over. Now, of course, you got to expect him to play good at the Pain Cup. Hell, he designed the course. He played yeah. good. Yeah, he did. That was that was pretty fun to watch, man. I've I've liked these two on two tournaments they've done. See a lot of, and and there wasn't a lot of build up for it. I, and I, and I feel like this was more enjoyable because it's more competitive. You had four really good golfers mm-hmm. instead of watching him beat up on Phil. And yeah. it's not that, like Phil was really good back in the day, but Phil's just not a great golfer no more. I mean, he's he's gonna be great in that senior tour he's playing in because he's gonna be the youngest, longest hitter on tour. But Tiger might have been the third best golfer out there. Yeah, you know what I mean. Rory and JT are better than him at this moment. Now, t- when Tiger's on, Tiger is the best golfer out of that group, but. Very few, few and far between on when those tournaments happen. But like I said, I think Tiger. I started looking at packages. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to take a trip. This course was phenomenal. 
one of the most gorgeous golf courses I've ever seen. Without a doubt. Um, and I really think I could be pretty good on it because the, the daggone fairways are – That 19th hole? The 19th hole was awesome. Awesome. But yeah. the fairways on all these holes are so wide. I'm like, man, even with my slice, I think I'm in a good spot. I don't think... <laughs> well, isn't it like a municipal course too? Or no, public course or something like that? Yeah, public. Yeah. You know how much it costs to play there? What is it? 200 bucks. $225 around. I can go play a Valhalla for half that. Okay, that might be yeah. a stretch, but it's close. Okay. Yeah. Where is that again? Uh, Missouri. Missouri. Oh, yeah, that's right. Out in the Ozarks. Yeah. yeah. But, like, have you seen that whole facility? Mm-mm. There's, like, four golf courses there. So, there's, like, Ozark National uh, Mountaintop or something like that. Then uh, Jack Nicholas has a par three course there, which is yeah. really nice. Like I'm, I was looking at packages. I was trying to take a trip. It's yeah, I saw. You, I think I think you uh, made that Facebook post the next day of who's trying to do a golf trip. No, I did that. Uh, I did that last week. Yeah. I listen. I just I'm tired of playing Louisville courses, Metro the Metro Parks courses. And I'm tired of playing the Barstown courses because that's all I play. I said I would be okay with if I had to take a a trip to Northern Kentucky and go play, you know, a course up there, maybe drive over to Cincinnati play a course. I'm fine with that. I just want to go somewhere else, somewhere else. But I would, I would pack the bags today if I if I had the money to go up to just to stay because I think there were some packages where for so much money you get like two or three rounds of golf. Included for like a two night stay. Without a doubt, I would do that. And yeah, these places they sure. super nice. So, but <sighs> I guess going back to the actual match, did you hear some of the stuff? And I don't know if it didn't come out. It went on like actual national TV or anything. It was on a uh, the foreplay uh, podcast that Barstool Sports has. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listen to it at work all the time. And they asked Jack Nicholas like his opinion on Tiger. And he kinda he made some comments. He said, you know, if I'd known Tiger Woods was coming along, I probably would have stuck around and played a few more master or a few more majors. Because I don't know if you know this, yeah, he won eighteen. He finished second nineteen times and finished third five. Yeah. So that's super impressive by itself. Uh but he said that Tiger just looks looks like he's in pain. Looks like he's hurting. So he doesn't – he kind of said that he doesn't see it working too much longer for Tiger. That's tough, man. It's, it's when you see all the greats. It's You know it's time for them to retire. And yeah. Tiger, I mean, can, Tiger will be good for the rest of his life. He doesn't need to keep playing, but just ego. But see, I think – I don't even think it's ego. I think Tiger genuinely – loves the game of golf and likes competing. So I don't know. Like, I think it'd be really hard to say, Tiger, I think you need to hang it up. I think he would. And here's the thing is, I don't know that Tiger will even go to the senior tour. No, I don't think he would. I think he'll retire before going to that because those wins, like, they don't count towards the wins that he already has. Yeah. Because it's a different – it's completely different. So at that point – in his eyes, his career is over. I think he would. I think he'd be okay with 
I'll just watch my son play. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, listen, there was great sound bites. JT yep. talked some of the best trash. <laughs> yeah. So going back to these two v two tournaments they've been doing, I don't see how you can watch those and Justin Thomas doesn't shoot up your list of favorite golfers. Hundred percent. Every time he's been like the uh, whole reporter on CBS or in this tournament, man, he is funny as yes. PG show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. PG thirteen. But uh, not only his, you know, his one sound uh, clip he had with um, uh, Charles Barkley when Barkley said something about somebody golfing. He's like, Charles, I'd like to see your fat ass go out of here and dunk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got that. Uh, you know, with Justin, uh, Justin Rose just just hooks one way left. I don't remember which hole. It might have been the second hole. And he goes, oh, my God, that's got to be 150 <laughs> offline. Yeah. And then did he do the stuff? Yes, but his when he did it, um, he was trying to swing. It was the longest drive hole, and he was trying to win it. Uh, so he swung. He and he Tiger had already put one out there. So he was like, "I'm gonna." He said, it "Won't be for a lack of effort." So he swung as hard as he could. Uh, okay. And, and the problem with his was it started left and just kept going left. Yeah, or like uh, when he was chipping up on the green, he was asking Tiger where to put it or what club to use or something like that. He was like, oh, okay, never mind. Screw me then. Yeah. Yeah. Or when, he's like, when he was standing over the ball and he goes, uh, he said, oh, God, I forgot uh, Doofus over here has his name on the ball. I can't be looking at that while I'm trying to putt. Like, just, he's such a, like, he's such a, like, normal guy that, like, I'd probably go golf with on a Saturday. That's, like, how we act when I'm going yep. golfing. Like, that's just, he's normal. You know, Roy I mean, he trying to be the funny guy. Yeah. Rory, you know, his comment about Domino's Pizza. Stars. They're just like us. Yes. He's like, you know, if you don't know where a good pizza joint is, you know, Domino's is a great selection. Been on a real Domino's kick recently. Hey, yeah. me too, Rory, for about three years now. <laughs> it was almost like, man, I finally discovered Domino's. I never knew that. Never knew nothing about yeah. it. He yeah. said, you know, I get that thing. It's a, it's a deluxe. Uh, I get the sausage with the pepperoni. You can get the two for five ninety nine deal. There we go, Roy. We knew you were a budget guy. Hell yeah, millionaire living on a budget. I love it. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, just there's, it's hard not to like. You see the guys on 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 actual tour, you know, and they're playing. I mean, they're different then because you're playing for money. Yeah. You know, this is how you make money. Then you get guys in these like charity events or just. That, I don't even, I don't know what that was for, you know, specifically. I think it was win a cup, just to be competitive with, with open up the course, something like that. Yeah. I don't I think my some some money might have went to charity. I'm not sure. But to sit there and watch these guys just have a good time was awesome. You know, there was there's clips of uh Jack Nicholas um trying to teach Gary Player how to hit the ball further. These guys are in their seventies, and they're like, "Well, Gary Player's are like eighty-four, so like, he's teaching him like the way to hold the club and turn his hips to to like, so he can lean into more, so he can get it, hit it further off the tee. Like, it's just those are this these are the kind of events that are fun to watch. Yeah, I think watching watching these tournaments where they're like mic'd up the entire time, it makes it a lot more appealing to the very casual golf fan like me 
because mm-hmm. it makes me want to watch on the weekend and you get some personality out of these guys. And I think other sports should be paying attention to. I know the MLBs messed around with like during the all-star game or something that they'll are in uh, like spring training, they'll put mics on players. It's a lot of fun then to watch. Same with NBA. I think they should do it a little bit more. So uh, I think, well, I think the MLB started doing it. Uh, they had, and I could be wrong on the player. I want to say it was Fernando Tatis and I could definitely be wrong. Cause I don't even know what position he plays off the top of my head. Um, but they're talking to him like while he's fielding the ball, like they're having yep. a full on conversation. Somebody hits the ball to him. He scoops, turns to like, you hear him talking the entire time. Full on conversation. Yeah. I'm like, man, that's, they did it with Bryce Harper once. Uh, I think Mookie Betts was one yeah. time. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I think those that's what makes that's what's making sports during the the quarantine and the and the coronavirus and all that. It's making it fun because now that you you have a chance to learn about these guys, mm-hmm. and they're taking advantage of it. Um, I also think where you you find out we could get on a different kick with baseball, but you're finding out who are the little sensitive pricks. In baseball, that yeah. oh my god, he's breaking the the unwritten rule. I'm like, we're not gonna go that. We I did a whole episode on the unwritten rules. I'm not going back down that rabbit hole. But you know, like I said, the golf term was awesome. Uh, I think I was extremely happy because it came off of uh, was like I think it was two days after the U.S. Open. Yeah, it was Tuesday, right? Yeah, so like they had like those. Well, I think one of them definitely didn't play on the weekend, so he had a couple days to get over there. Um, <laughs> I don't remember Justin, sure about I Justin Rose. I couldn't tell you. I don't. I don't follow Justin Rose as a golfer at all. So I couldn't tell you if he even played for the weekend. But well, that's also the first time we've talked about him, and we were just talking about a four-person tournament. True. Or Matt. Yeah, true. But uh, we'll keep it very simple on the U.S. Open. I was thrilled to see Bryson DeChambeau win, just because of how much he was mocked for the weight gain for putting on size. And for saying I'm gonna beat people by being the longest off the tee, because he's not the first person to be big and go off and try to be the big, the best off the tee. He's just the first person to say I'm doing it for one reason, and it worked out. Because Tiger was bigger than everybody, and Tiger was the longest off the tee, and Tiger would, had the most powerful swing in golf, and people just wanted to. Cr- it's because Bryson's not likable. That's why. That's it. Hundred percent. He says he talks yeah. about oh the science of this, and he sounds real douchey when he does it. But so does Brooks Kepka. There's not much that Brooks does that isn't douchey either. But we love him. But it's because Bryson does something that doesn't make sense to most, and he's a douche. That's why we hate him. I love Bryson because I'm a douche too. Yeah, we have, everybody knows that. But yeah. you don't wear the dumb hat like Bryson. I think that's number one. That listen, that is probably the dumbest looking thing I've ever seen. What what are those hats called? I don't know, man. Yeah, he like he started doing that when he was an amateur, or like right after he did he go to Vanderbilt or something like that. It was right oh, after he graduated. Honestly, God, I couldn't tell you where he went. I didn't know who Bryce. Listen, I didn't know who Bryson DeChambeau was until the whole story broke on his whole. I'm gaining all this weight and muscle, like I completely changed my body. I I don't know who Bryson DeChambeau is up to that point. I have a few guys I follow in golf, and he wasn't one of them. Now I love him. Yeah, I remember seeing him a couple of years ago in the U.S. Open because he was, I guess, the U.S. Amateur champ or something. So he was in that tournament. Oh, super and, uh, skinny. He used to be super yeah, he was skinny. Stupid hat. 
and just hated him. That's what I'm saying. Like he has a lot of qualities that would make you want to hate him. Mm-hmm. There's more. There's more about him that makes you hate him than there is a li- to make you like him. But I like him because he stuck to who he was. He said, "I'm gonna do it this way," and got it done. I respect that. And he didn't really like. He handled it like you would think a douchebag would handle that situation when you win the U.S. Open in such a douchey way, and he handled it with class. Like he was just like. I stuck to I, – I said I was going to do it this way. I did it this way. He didn't say, you know what, all you critics can shove it. He didn't do that. So I like him for it. I respect – he has a respect. I'm not going to say I like him, I'm going to follow him, but I respect him. Yeah. There's just so many more likable golfers that I'm going to – Without I'm gonna a doubt. Keep, I'm going to keep uh, Bryson DeChambeau out of my mind still. You don't like him? Like that much? You don't like him at all in any way? Just a little bit? No. Nah. I mean, I can go, listen, I could probably go down a list of 10 golfers that I like more than Bryson, but if if I'm watching a final group on Sunday and Bryson's in it and I don't like the guy next to him, I'm definitely pulling for Bryson. Like, usually if I turn on Sunday and I'm like, ah, you know what, I don't really like either one of these golfers in the final pairing and they're the only two that have a shot to win a tournament, I'm not watching it. The great thing was I like Matt Wolf. Yep. I like him and I like Bryson. I was like, man, it's a win-win for me. I had to watch two golfers. I really like Matt Wolf because I think th- those are two of the most unique guys. Has the most unique swing at Matt Wolf and did the most outrageously, you know, most questioned decision-making of all time with what he did with his body as a golfer. I think those are just two, two unique stories to be in a position to win the U.S. Open when the, everybody said that the winning score would be uh, you know, plus it would be over par. Like some people were saying, like a winning score of plus three or three over par for the for the whole tournament might win the tournament. Yeah, you know what I think we should do. So Bryson's diet is out online. I think we should do that for a week and just see how we feel. See if we think we can hit the ball. Forward. I mean, I probably eat that many calories a day. I'm, I don't eat it the way he eats it. No. Yeah. Without a doubt, like I'm probably gonna put down a whole pizza. Uh, McDonald's. No, I'm not eating McDonald's. I'm saying I could eat a whole. I'm probably going to put down a whole pizza, some Trulies, and watch the Celtics game tonight, buddy. <laughs> so I'm going to get my calories in. I can tell you that. Like, me and him are going to be comparable on calorie intake. Yeah, doesn't he do like seven protein shakes a day or something? God, listen, I, we don't want to get into it. His diet is the most ridiculous thing. I feel like you're about to look up the diet. Uh, <laughs> That's exactly what I'm doing. I know it is. I can see it in your eyes. What I'm saying is he he's just listening to him talk about his diet is just annoying. Oh, you know, I'm either 230 or 235. It just depends off if I ate a steak today or not. Bro, your weight does not fluctuate five pounds from a steak. Do you want me to tell you what his diet is? Run, it, run through it. Breakfast, four eggs, five strips of bacon, toast, two protein shakes. That's a solid breakfast. I could do that. <laughs> I mean, that's like your full daily intake of calories. Um, throughout the day, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Doesn't say how many. Uh, some macro bars, snacks, two to three more protein shakes. Okay. And then dinner is steak, potatoes, and two protein shakes. So, yeah, we're at seven protein shakes. It, I mean, this is disgusting. 
just for breakfast, he's eating 80 grams of protein. I love it. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not the diet guy and all that, but geez, man. Does it give the macros on that? Does it give like the total calories that he's shooting for or like the total number of carbs, protein, fats? Does it give that stuff? I honestly God, I feel like he said his caloric intake was like four thousand calories. Yeah, it says between three thousand to five thousand calories. He's flirt he's flirting with uh three hundred grams of protein a day. That's that but that's normal. If you're trying to get stronger, you need that. So that's normal. What's his carbs? Uh there's no there's nothing about carbs on here. Uh well I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm willing to bet you his carbs are every bit. 350 to 400. You know what? I'd say 400 to 450. But if he's working out, he's walking the golf course, he's going to, he needs those carbs. If you lift yeah. and go golf and you're putting in, because I think he's, he was working out twice a day and he was golfing and he was, you know, I mean, he was putting in a lot of work to, to work off the carbs. He was using them. So it's not like he was yeah. just eating 400, car, uh, 400 grams of carbs and just sitting around. So, yeah. But so, but before we jump off, who are you picking tonight? You know who I'm picking. Picking the Celtics. I like it. Heat, baby. Why would you pick the Heat? Bam and Hero and Jimmy Buckets. Although part of me roots for uh, the Celtics just because Kemba, and I've got a soft spot for him. Is he not? I mean, he's the best. He can't guard anybody. But he's the best. I love Kimba. He's such a likable guy. Yeah, he's the nicest dude. He's going to shake everybody out of their shoes. He's got a killer step back. I feel like he's the same guy that would drop you in a, you know, on a crossover and then also extend the hand to pick you up. I don't think he would do that. <laughs> he's got that Brooklyn in him. You think people in Brooklyn are helping them each other up after they cross him? No. Nope. Why not? So, uh, I'm going with the Celtics. Uh, I'm also going to go ahead and say we're going seven games. Yeah, I'm excited that uh, by the next time we talk, it's going to be Heat-Lakers in the finals. (laughs) (laughs) And that we're going to have a Kentucky W. Excited about that next conversation, too. That's – listen, we can can do a post-game – podcast tomorrow just talking about the level of greatness that is Kentucky and Mark Stoops, if need be. I don't think that rationally that's a great decision because I feel like you may say stuff that could get us in trouble. No, man. uh, David, I've been around you enough. Your level of excitement's a different level. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I've played FIFA games with you. I know what it sounds like. Yeah, but see, I'm on this sober kick too, so and you're not going to get drunk me being overexcited. Well, it's, that's a good thing. A little yeah. disappointed, but that's a good thing. <laughs> so, do you have any closing remarks? Uh, go Big Blue. Love there it. Go go. Big Blue. What do I got here? I rock Kentucky Blue. On what? On these hoes. <laughs> Love it. Cut <laughs> that out for mom and dad. <laughs> Not big big enough. All right. Uh, Thank you for listening. This has uh, been episode 35. Uh, Hopefully, next time we talk to you, the Cats are 1 0, Celtics are 
in Game Seven. I can only pray. No. Uh, 